Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Wildcats! Pair up! Let's go! Come on! Said to fake right and break left. Watch out for the pick and keep an eye on the fence. Gotta run the give and go, take the ball to the hole. And don't be afraid to shoot the outside, Jay. Uh, just keep your head in the game. Uh, just keep your head in the game. And don't be afraid to shoot the outside, Jay. Uh, just keep your head in the game. You gotta get your, get your head in the game. We gotta get it, get it, get it, get ahead in the game. You gotta get your, get your head in the game. We gotta get it, get it, get it, get ahead in the game. Come on, get your, get your head in the game. Welcome to the first quarter of episode 129 of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about a movie. Yes. It's called Love and Basketball. It's called Love and Basketball, yes. (laughs) Uh, The year 2000s. Yes. and basketball. Uh, I picked it because I had heard good things about it. I liked the director's other films. I wanted to, we've been kind of focusing on non-white straight male directors and this was a case where thought, well, we've also done a lot of now white female directors. So I wanted to kind of open that up. Uh, directed and written by Gina Prince Bythewood. Bythewood. How do you think you say her name? I think you did a good job. I don't know that I would have done it, it any different. Bythewood or Bythewood? Or Bythewood? It's Bythewood, maybe? Maybe. May- Look, who who among us knows? <laughs> Probably Gina Prince, but... Let us know. Indeed. Call in. Uh, okay, before we jump into that, we like to talk about other stuff that we've been doing and watching and experiencing, which is really yes. just watching. Yes. So, Christine... I'm opening up my Evernote note as we speak. Um, Okay. Well, before I launch into what I've been watching, and it's not a lot, but it's, you know what? It's quality, not quantity. Um, I, let me say this about that. And I'm sorry. I'm going to, forgive me for a second, Emily. Anybody who listens to this podcast, I am extremely grateful. I do not do it in a way that makes me think, I hope lots of people listen to it. <laughs> I do it so I can talk to one of my favorite people in the world who I don't Aww. ever get to see anymore. So I am not unaware that people listen, and that's why I am very cautious about what I say and how I say it. All of that preamble being said, 
If you do not agree with something I say, do not go on Facebook and talk to me like a child about it. <laughs> I I am not I do not know you. I am not here for you. If you want to speak to me respectfully and say I respectfully disagree and here's why, then we can have a conversation like people. Do not talk to me like I am dumb. Do not talk to me like you know more than me and do not talk mm. to me like your opinion is fact. That is all. <laughs> I th- I think that is uh, well said. Thanks. That's it. Because like it's cool that people listen to this. I right? love that people listen. I I love to to talk to people that listen. Look, I have no idea how many. It could be six. <laughs> it could be. I was going to say twelve. <laughs> it could. Christine, come on, aim high. Baker's dozen. It could be thirteen. Upwards of twelve people could listen to this. Um, <laughs> more if you count my cats. Oh, I do. But, like, I don't know. Think about how you're coming across, maybe, yeah. if you want to go tell somebody that they're wrong. I, I think that's, something. yeah, that's the key. Because there is, it's been, I think, the last couple of years, I think you and I certainly have kind of moved to this mantra, and I think a lot of other people have, of there's a lot of negativity on the internet. I don't need to add to that. So when I see, I'm in a lot of movie groups, and when I see somebody posting something about how much they love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, let me use that as an example, and there is, a, you know, a thread of that goes on, and everybody's raving about it and saying all the great things about it, and I think to myself, I fucking hated this movie. I think mm-hmm. this movie was awful and um, wrong and bad and all of these things. But I don't think anybody in this thread needs me to, needs to hear me say that. And... Now, there may be a time here and there where somebody does need to hear that, but typically I kind of always, whenever I'm, I, my instinct is to post something negative, I kind of just pause and think about what the point is in doing that other than me shouting my opinion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it's something constructive, if I think, um, oh, I don't know, if somebody is going on about how um, Zack Snyder seems to really respect women and yeah and and everybody's agreeing that sucker punch is a great example of how much he respects women and i think to myself no it's actually an example of how he really has has weird issues with women maybe i'll chime in and say it but if somebody instead is posting a thread of sucker punch is so much fun its visuals are so cool yeah there's no reason for me to jump in and say like yeah except it's also really weirdly strange and and uncomfortable and i don't know what this man's trying to say because that's not needed there. And I think that you're... And I see, and you're being... Of course, all the things you said are right. But but it's not... If you were to enter in that, like Emily has entered the chat, you would be like, oh, hey, actually, <laughs> I can back up this statement. You wouldn't yeah. be like, you are so wrong. It, this movie is shit. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, I am very lucky that I have a lot of people that talk to me like a person on the internet and I have Mm -hmm. friends there and it's very nice and I, I am appreciative of all of them. It's just occasionally somebody will like wiggle on in and be like, Hey, my opinion. And I'll be like, Oh no, no, no. I did not ask you. (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Um, 
So, I have a lot of movies on my list that I really liked, that I think a lot of people probably didn't. And if you didn't, I don't care. <laughs> um, but speaking of, I didn't really see a lot. It's wild. Did we just record? I feel like we were, we actually have a, had a quicker turnaround time than usual. Because at okay. first I looked at my list and I'm like, my list is small. I guess I read a lot of books. And then, Nerd. I mean, for me, usually I'm watching movies when commuting or I'm reading books when commuting. Mm-hmm. So I really thought it was that. I'm like, I'm so smart. I've been doing so much reading. But now that you said it, I think it's just that we recorded probably like two and a half, three weeks ago. Yeah. Well, I was watching The Outsider, which was an HBO show. It was an HBO show, which I deliberately, I had somewhat forgotten about. And then I deliberately was like, oh, it's a Stephen King show. I'll wait until it's over to hear what people think and whether I should watch it. <laughs> It seems as though I made the right decision. That the last episode made me incredibly disappointed. You are not the um, only person I have heard. I think the entire internet has said that. Really, I kind of didn't look because I didn't want to invest sure. anymore. But like, there, there, the highs were so high. Mm. I touched, I touched the sky in those moments. I was <laughs> like, oh, this is so good. Thank you. But I, we watched that, so I think that cut into a. Sure. A lot of this. Um, but I went to the theater and I saw The Boy 2. <gasps> How was it? It is No The Boy 1. Aw, what is other than The Boy 1? I don't know. So this movie was like everything and yet nothing. Mm. Um, it, I have I have heard some say that it retconned a lot of one. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, no? yes. Oh. And why would you do that? One is perfect. One is so good. Yeah, I said the whole time I was sitting there, I was like, I wish I was watching the boy. <laughs> and it's it's just it's like it's almost like in the boy universe, but like it is it is the same. It's the same story. Imagine if everything you thought about the first one before you were surprised mm. was what the movie actually was. Uh, okay, yeah. It's and I don't want to go so far as to say it's bad like it's competently made like it's not a bad movie but it's not nearly as exciting or fun or like fresh feeling Mm. i don't know and katie holmes was fine it wasn't her fault yeah never been the biggest Um, fan of hers but no nothing against her in kind of a a, a role just now yeah whatever so that was me, but one of the writers on that is 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 a lady, so it f- technically fits into my criteria. Very good. Um, I made Zach watch. We need to talk about Kevin. <gasps> yes. Uh, how now? Had you seen it since you saw it in the theater with me? No, I hadn't seen it since it was I saw the last it the movie theater. we saw it in the theater together. I must have said that four hundred oh, times while and, watching and it. Now that we're never going to have movie theaters again, it might be the last one ever. <laughs> That's so sad. I, we, but no, kind we of appropriate, but kind a of a handful of movies together. Yes. But it's this one and Melancholia that I always think of you Same. when I whenever when I see I that movie. That. The first thing I think of, oh, I'm seeing that with Christine. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I saw this movie. I'm like, yeah. and but like, so I made Zach watch it, and the, one of the reasons why I hadn't pushed so hard is because I remember it being tough. It's it's a you know, not necessarily lighthearted uh, afternoon viewing with popcorn. It was harder than I remember. Wow! Yeah. It was. It was. I was. Uh, boy, that movie's hard to watch. Fantastic. Yeah. 
but hard to watch. I have been like debate, like I've wanted to rewatch it since I've seen it. Like after I saw it, I read the book, and I still like I go back to that movie as being one of the most like. If I think of like how does movies like very specifically how has a movie affected your life, and that's one that I can yeah. look at and be like, this is the movie that confirmed for me why I'm not having children. And it's not it, that I think they're going to grow up and do what Kevin does. It's that I feel like what that movie does so well is it tells the story of a woman who didn't want to have kids, especially at that time. She changes her mind, but when she had that child, she did not want that child, and all of those feelings turned into what that child does yeah yeah it's 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 you can there's a lot to to get yeah. and to take from it yeah and oh yeah I there's feel... different there's kind of other ways of reading it too yeah 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 and i i feel like if you watch it in a different mindset or a different time mm-hmm. like you will walk away with something different a non-parent and a parent would probably walk sure. away with something different oh, yeah. a man and a woman would probably you know mm-hmm. um it it's very it's i cannot stress how good it is. If for some reason you have not seen this movie, you should see it. Much like one of my favorite movies of the year, The Turning. It (laughs) deals with terrifying teenage boys in a fantastic way. I don't know why more movies aren't about how terrifying teenage boys are. They're terrifying. They're like little, little loaded weapons. Yep. Like little little sexual nightmares run it they're you, terrifying. You know what's really interesting as you say that? Because I feel like movies do understand that with teenage girls. Yes. And it's like you and for both of us, I think it's one of our kind of favorite sort of weird little subgenres is like when movies treat teenage girls with all of the ferocity and dangers that they have. Yes. But you're like right. Jennifer's body. Yeah. Um, hashtag horror. There's a show on USA now, Dare Me, which was based on a novel by Megan Abbott. And like, yeah, like people understand that teenage girls are a force. Mm -hmm. There is not nearly as much on teenage boys. And I wonder why that is. Is it that it seems less cinematic? That there's a kind of a a male like men can make movies about teenage girls because there's sort of that like and women of course are going to because they're so close to that oh for sure but that there is that like oh well people will want to watch teenage girls where maybe the thought of i think teenage boys at that awkward age makes people uncomfortable it's deeply uncomfortable and that's why it's so compelling yeah if if you take nothing away from the turning other than how terrifying Finn Wolfhard is and how it is about burgeoning toxic masculinity mm-hmm. there that's all you need to take away from it it is horrifying in that regard and he's gangly and long and yeah. weird looking and it's just that adds to it and yeah it's deeply uncomfortable yeah. and it's kind of gross and you don't want to think of like this little boy being like sexually aggressive Whereas but we're like, so used to teenage girls being treated that way you. that we're we're not as bothered by it. Thank you, and and it's just a fact. Yeah. Like no one, no one, you you, you can present the, those facts without sexualizing it or making it like like a tawdry affair. Like I, you don't need to make me want to like bone a sixteen-year-old to get sure. the point across that that they're that like there's something going on. Balls of weird hormones yeah. that are weird and in your area, like. 
there's ways to handle delicate subject matter. Well, and when it is done well, it is terrifying. It is. Because even that's even something we need to talk about. Kevin does really well is Ezra Miller is so good in that. Yes. And the way, and I believe this is in the book too, but the way he dresses, right? He always wears clothes that are too small for him. And I think it's like this deliberate choice on the character of like, he knows it makes people uncomfortable. And it does because he's this like 16 year old boy so his body is a man's but it's not and it just it just always makes everybody that looks at him uncomfortable and like that's kind of i think how a lot of us just see any teenage boy in in their own way and i guess that's why we don't have as many films about them more films about teenage boys i guess so who who knew that would be the uh lesson of today this is my takeaway fascinating (laughs) um so yeah if you if you if you if you're up to it, rewatch it. Oh, definitely. Um, so the biggest surprise, random watch, was uh, 1996's Mary Riley. So I noticed you changed your Twitter <laughs> handle to reflect uh, how much I guess you love this movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> this I rem- movie is perfection. Well, I remember so hard when it came out because it was the. Let's try to get Julia Roberts an Oscar in the early 90s movie. And the whole, I remember reading so many articles about how she dyes her eyebrows and how, like, it was like, oh, she's uglying herself for this role. And then the movie came out and it kind of bombed and nobody ever talks about it again until now, apparently. It's so good. Really? It's really, really great. So it's based on a novel written by a woman. Um, which I have not read, but I would like to. And the idea and, is that it's like Dr. Jekyll's maid, right? Yes. Okay. It's, but it's a, it's 100% from her perspective. It's not just like Dr. Jekyll shit is happening around her and she's there. It is her story. Okay. Like it is her point of view. Um, and it follows her and only her. So it's like you get a cool Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story, but without all the bullshit. Because you get yes. to hang out with her. Okay. It is sexy and mean and dark and awesome and fucking weird it's so weird it's so weird i love it people so like this is like this should be spoken of the way we talk about bram stoker's dracula granted it does not look nearly as beautiful the costuming is not nearly as amazing but the tone and the sexuality and like the 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 scary like the sexy scary monsters before we were we were really doing Mm -hmm. it level that we got (laughs) is it's just oh my god and john malkovich is is like upsettingly hot sometimes <laughs> and like his transformation is like weird and subtle and just it's a bizarre movie that is so good the music is so good it's beautiful Ugh, i can't is, say enough is it streaming it. somewhere no we rented it okay and i and i don't think it has like a good release because yeah. i want to play a lot it. of those 90s it's, movies don't so good and it's like no one ever told me it's a hundred percent my shit no one ever said christine you would like this movie because i remember the trailer yeah it was like mary riley (laughs) she her accent julia roberts accent kind of goes in and out a little bit Mm -hmm. um but overall she's very good interesting that's a really good cast. I'm looking at it. A very young Michael Sheen. He's so Kyron cute. Hines. Interesting. It's it's really, really good. Yeah. One of these days. 
I feel like it was ahead of its time. Mm, interesting. Um, so yeah, that was good. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but saw the Invisible Man. In the movie I did not. No, I'm excited to because I'm hearing such good things. It's very good. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I'm finding like similar like with Upgrade, a movie that you saw, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, that I like it, and yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a good movie. I like this. But then that's kind of where it got it begins and ends for me. Like I'm not like bringing home anything deeply emotional. I'm not like learning life lessons or there aren't visuals that I'll never forget type of stuff. Okay. Um, oh my God. The opening though, like the opening title phenomenal. Um, it's great. It's great. I'm excited for you to see it. I think mm-hmm. you'll like it. It's great. Yep. When it, when it hits home theater, cause again, I guess we'll never be go to a movie theater again. Never again. It would seem. But it's good. Uh, Lee Wan L is a, an amazing filmmaker. I've always this... liked him. Always rooted for him. I am glad to see yep. him getting success. I'm his. He has a singular vision that he's able to yep. bring to life uncompromisingly, and in in a way that is extremely palatable. And I think he is tremendous. Yeah. So. And I really hope he stays in genre filmmaking. <laughs> Because he's really he's so good, at, good it. at it, yeah. And like, and I think it is so clear that he has a love of it. Yeah. And I mean, you could see that in his writing. You could, you saw it even in Insidious, where which is James Wan directing, but it's his script. Just the decisions that are made that he, he makes his his characters have are the decisions made by a writer who said who's watched a million horror movies and said, "But what if they did this? But wouldn't they have done that? I would have done this." And that's what his movies are. And I think he has such a history of it. That's what makes him a good producer of it. So I mm-hmm. hope he just keeps pushing the genre. Yeah, um, this one feels like that too. Cool. I th- I would be shocked if you didn't enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, that's everything I've heard has made me really excited to eventually see it. Yay! So I watched the Banana Splits movie. So, do you know about okay, this yeah, I I do and I don't. I kept when this was probably about what a year and a half or so, two years when like word of this was getting out and everybody kept talking about it, and it was sort of like that scene in a chorus line where everybody, you know, look, let's go get one thing straight. I never saw the red shoes. I never heard of the red shoes. I don't give a flying fuck about the red shoes. That's what I felt about this. I'm like, I don't know. What, am I supposed to know what this is? Everybody's talking about it as if they know it's a thing. That was like from our childhood. But I didn't know it in our childhood. Did you? Um, No, it's a little bit for people that are older, older than us. Okay. But they, they did all those those alternative music um, song covers. Like um, Blind Melon did Three's the Magic Number. And Liz Fair did this song, the Banana Split theme, theme song. Okay. I had the CD. So, like, I know it from that. Okay. Because you were cool. <laughs> because I was music. apparently extremely cool 12 year old. Um, <laughs> I was not. I was listening to Broadway show tunes. Carry on. <laughs> but I know I know what the Banana Splits are. Okay. Because, like, I have a, a goofy mom. So, um, I thought it was. In any idea, anything can be good. That's what I always say. Sure. Like even the stupidest idea, if executed well, can be good. And um, a lady directed this. A woman directed this. Okay, um, cool. So I was like, all right, now I'm really interested. Um, I, while I cannot say that it is great by any stretch, its budget shows very clearly. Um, it is a lot of fun, and it is very weird. 
Also, there are interesting style choices made. Like, everybody is wearing the same palette. Like, everyone has the same okay. colors of clothing on. Like, it's very deliberate. It does everything it can to be, like, stylish and make the best use of what it has. So, like, I don't know. I had fun watching it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it, like, was great. Okay. But I did enjoy it. And I thought, like... Anybody that's like, oh, that sounds stupid. Well, yeah. Ever- Honestly, write down the synopsis of anything. Anything can sound stupid. The Invisible Man sounds stupid. Why is he invisible? Why is he scary? He's invisible. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I, I'm glad I watched it. It was cool. I'll think about it from time to time still. Like, we watched it, uh, like, the night after, I think, we recorded. And I it, it's been popping into my head. Like, I'll okay. randomly think about it. Which is fun. Interesting. Um... Two more, I believe. Um, I watched V for Vendetta a million years ago uh-huh. and don't remember a thing about it. <laughs> uh, rewatched it. Boy, that movie's real good. I feel like the only thing I remember about it was um, learning how to make eggs in a basket. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. I I did. There were like two things about it I actually remembered. And that was <laughs> um I didn't remember barely any of it. It was like watching it for the first time, to be honest with you. Um, I liked it a lot, though. Um, it is kind of upsetting yeah. to watch it. I mean, it's based on a story from the 80s, and it's a movie from, like, what, 2005? Early 2000s, yeah. And, that, and, it's, and it's still relevant and gross, and you're like, when, why are we stuck in this constant cycle? So on one hand, I'm thinking, you know, I should rewatch it because I watched it probably 10 years ago on a small computer screen and probably get to chop it up and don't remember much about it. I remember, I mean, aside from eggs in the basket, obviously, uh, but then you say like, oh, it's good, but it's really makes is blob. It sounds like watching it's just going to depress me. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, I cried during it. Um, it's it's really, really well filmed. It's beautiful. And the Wachowskis wrote it. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a Wachowski movie um, for the most part, which is which is A great. very, yeah, special of its own thing. So I love it. Uh, happy we watched it. Glad I didn't remember it. So it was like I was watching it for the first time. Yeah, very nice. And this is not my streaming, but it has something... Uh, in common with my streaming recommend um this is streaming on amazon prime it is called braid i you know i saw you tweet about this and i meant to jump in and engage but then i didn't have time and i'm like i need a lot more time to talk to you about this so i'm gonna wait until you bring it up on the show you you watched this i did this is the one with uh um the Three young women, one of them yep. from Cam, the other one from um, Flesh and Bone. And you told me to watch it. I told you to watch it, and yes. and I believe what I probably said was, I think I hated this movie, but I also think there's a lot there, and I think other people will love it, and that's that. I and I'd be interested to hear yep. people that love it, and I really want to see what else this director makes, but I don't yep. think I want to see okay. this movie again. Yeah, I thought so, but then I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> And I was like, fuck, I can't remember what it was called. But I think that this was that. Um, So that's really funny that you say that. Because when I was watching it, I don't think I ever was like, I don't like this. A couple times I think I went, is this good? 
like to myself I was like is this good do I like this and then I I don't know I guess it was like around midway where I was like no no no, I like this Uh and then as it was ending I could feel it like winding up and I was like okay it's ending and the credits rolled and I just started sobbing and I was like oh my god I think I've loved that (laughs) It, it really fucked with me yeah I liked it so much I admire it. I think there, I mean, she certainly has a visual style. I think the actresses are great. I think there's ideas there. I, th- I think for me, it was one of those, uh, I, I can have a hard time with movies that are kind of avant-garde for the sake of being avant-garde or that feel very, um, and it's not even forced. Like that's a movie that is absolutely committed to its weird um, style and kind of undefined nature and all of that, and that's fine. But I found for me watching it, I'm like, I would get into it, and then there, this, there'd be stakes that would. It's kind of like how I was thinking about Westworld today. I'm like, oh, that's coming back. I'm excited. No, I'm not. I don't even because what Westworld has done is like, we killed a character, eh, but it doesn't matter. They're a robot, so their consciousness is back. Eh, no, but it does matter because they're not a real. Blah, blah. And like, it gets to a point where I'm like, I don't care. Like, you've told me not to care about characters because you keep changing the rules. I can't keep up. Anybody, the day you kill a character, I'm at this point means nothing. And I felt that way a little bit about Braid, where stakes kept getting raised, but then there was nothing to them, or there was, and I, I could never lock into it. And I ended up feeling very like there was a wall between me and the movie. Mm-hmm. I get that. I can understand that. Um, I, I think. Sometimes I'll I'll try to force myself to understand something, and all it does is it ends up ruining something that okay. I'm enjoying. So I think I think maybe around that halfway point, I went like, "Oh, this isn't going to be uh, uh, this right. is going to be a line- linear narrative. Linear narrative is a little oversimplifying, but it's not sure. going to be straightforward. It's not going to be that. So stop trying to think of it that mm-hmm. way. Sure. And so I kind of stopped, and then like I there were all the like visually it was absolutely stunning Beautiful, but then yeah. there were all these these things I, I i'd have to watch it again to like solidify ideas but like these uh, uh, ideas about masculinity and femininity and yeah and what what a family means and what it means to you know what are the to roles? let people into your life and what like what who are you when does it when does it get to find who you are when do patterns get put in place what like we all have masculine and feminine inside of us. And what does it look like when that comes out? Like, it's just, there was just a lot there and it was so cool and weird. And it had these weird, like Gothic undertones to it. I see it. I don't know. No, I, I would have, you know, I said, I don't ever want to watch it again, but Hey, in a year, (laughs) let's, when you're ready to rewatch it, let's watch it and cover it. Cause I think that could be a really interesting conversation. I would like to. I'd be curious, yeah, going back in if I would hate it or if I would see what I couldn't see the first time. It reminded me a lot of, last time we talked, we talked about, um, I think it was called Paradise Hills, the movie with Emma Roberts and Mila Jovovich that I watched. Okay. It's, which was, had like a similar, not really a similar look, but kind of like, kind of Baroque, kind of fantasy, like the colors, but like. This was everything I wanted Paradise Hills to be. Like, 
it, this was weird and this was aggressive and this was confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, that's what I wanted. Like, sure. I wanted it to be, to be like unapologetic in its weirdness. Oh, and, and that's a very good descriptor of this movie. Definitely. I, I like, like in, in written and directed by, uh, by a woman. Yep. And I like fucking, yeah, good for you for like, just going for oh, it. Yeah. Like, it was, it was, so it's not a question of like, oh, this person's not good at movies. It was no. stunning. It's a gorgeous movie. This person is good at movies. And everything that was weird about the beginning that I was like, wait, I don't know, ended up tying up. Everything tied up. Everything made sense. Everything came back around. And you're like, oh, I get this. But it, so it was competently made, but I get, I wouldn't, I would be hesitant to recommend this to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's one it's one of those movies that like you absolutely know somebody is going like the definition of a love or hate because you you know the person too you're like i watched this movie that i really like called braid oh should i watch it no no you should not no or or you should so madeline brewer who oh i love her this will this will come up later um i the uh, the sun and the moon the best for her i love yeah. her she, she is, is everything. so good in every she I'm, 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 who does she remind me of as an actor like just one of those actresses who never gives less than 110 percent mm-hmm. and she is interesting and she goes into roles like completely fully ready to just tackle shit and does it in a really it's not just that she's over the top it's that she is making over-the-top decisions from a really genuine place. She is great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I'm really, really, really big fan. Um, I, yeah, I would totally rewatch this movie as okay. I talk about it, so. Yeah. In time, put, put it, I should probably have a list somewhere of the ones that we keep saying, like, one of these days, eventually we'll get back to it. <laughs> My memory start is start such crap. Here, and then I'll put it on a Google Doc, and we'll see. Well, I have to start sending reminders to myself. Um, I, I don't know if you do this. I do it like in Google all the time. I put it in my calendar, and it could be obviously like dentist appointment, or you know, I get can get glasses every two years, so I make every two years that I should go see my eye doctor. And I started wondering recently how long that will last because I finally got a tetanus shot, mm-hmm. and you should get a tetanus shot every ten years, and. I kept cutting, you know, as, as I'm me, I keep cutting myself on things. And I always said, somebody would say like, you got a tetanus shot, right? And I'm like, yeah, of course I did at some point in my life. Um, and finally, when I said to my mother, hey, mom, do you remember when the last time I got a tetanus shot was? And she looked at me and said, you're 38. You probably back when you were, you know, in my care and a long time ago. And I finally got one. And then I realized I should probably make a list somewhere so that in 10 years I get an alert to get a new one to do, get a new one i i'm you're saying all this and i'm trying to think i couldn't tell you if you can't remember then it's probably time to get one again i uh, well you know i am one of the select few i now have medical insurance hey hey, so... hey, hey. <laughs> chris you <laughs> can't actually go to a doctor's office right now in your town can you <laughs> uh i don't think they're looking for people to come in and just <laughs> randomly ask for shots <laughs> Hey, I know you guys like have something you're dealing with, but I might cut myself on metal in the next couple of years. So can we get on yeah. on this, please? <laughs> yeah. But your PSA for today, if, if we've taught you nothing, uh, dear listeners, we encourage you to make movies about teenage boys and their scary awkwardness yes. and to get a tetanus shot. 
Or if you have a recommendation for a movie about the the terror of teenage teenage boys, boys. recommend it somewhere. Do it on Facebook. Do it on Facebook. Maybe don't sound like an asshole when you do that. Uh, all right. Do you have any more of your movies? No, that's it. Everything. Right? That's a that's a tiny list. That's a little list. My list is a little too. Uh, okay. Mine starts. So another reason that I realized that might have been um, taking up some time is that um, Netflix did their own version of Project Runway called Next in yeah. Fashion. Yeah, yeah. You watched it? I did. Was it, it good? It's good. If if. If basically, if I, I'm a big Project Runway fan, and I know nothing about fashion, but I enjoy watching talented, skilled people make fashion, because then I kind of get to understand it better. And Project Runway, the last two seasons, when, once they moved back to, to Bravo, have been great. But for a long time, it was getting very reality TV, very colorful personalities who were just, you know, and then they would manipulate things so that they would have to get tired and fight with each other. Um, so Netflix was like, we're just going to make our own version of Project One Runway. It's really good. Um, they are so clear about saying, we just want to make it about the clothes and about the fashion. So there is no real drama between contestants. There's no sleep deprivation tactics just to get them to like freak out. Um, the first half of it is like they're, everybody's in pairs, so it's all teamwork, which means you get like more stuff done and get different mm-hmm. perspectives. Um the I mean the fashion is great. It's interesting. It if it's if you were a fan of Project Runway at all, it's a really uh, entertaining ten episode way to kill time. Mm. I I've been advocating to watch it because mm-hmm. a couple people have said it was good, and I do like stuff like that. Yeah. I used to watch Project Runway. Yeah, I I think you'd like it because it's also what's so interesting is it's they're forty five minute episodes, and it's so f- like Project Runway is now an hour and a half. Which at times is okay, but at times is way too long. Yeah. And there's so much filler. And just even the way the show has to get kind of edited for commercials. So, you know, you have every, you have that like constant, oh, there's going to be drama. Go to commercial. Oh, here was the drama. And now we're calmed down. And now here's more drama. Commercial. And so when you don't have that limitation, you just get to like not kind of force that up and down that doesn't really do anything for you if you're watching it mm-hmm, in one sitting. Mm-hmm. So it's even crafted well in that way. So highly recommended. Okay. All right. I might, we might do it. Okay. Okay. Tell me what you think if you do. Uh, okay. And then a few <clears throat> stuff. So on Amazon prime. So this is good timing. Actually. I, I've always been an apocalypse fan. I've known that about you. Yes. And I mean, you know, there's a lot has is being said and such right now about that. But I'll tell you, if you, like me, enjoy a cheap genre apocalypse movie, Amazon Prime is like a a grab bag of them. There's so many on there. And so one that I watched was called The Blackout. Okay. Starring Costas Mandalore. Oh, always fun. Directed by his brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, so in this movie, there is a blackout happens, and the movie is set in this small town somewhere in America, and it's it it's supposed to be like an ensemble kind of thriller about this happening. 
So you have like Casas Mandalore, sort of like the grizzled hermit soldier who, you know, of course can uh, help protect people. And then you have like a couple who's pregnant and you have um, escaped prisoners who are going around raping people. And you have a bunch of white teenagers who are all interchangeable and I couldn't tell any of them apart. And it was very bad casting on the movie's part. Uh, (laughs) This isn't terrible. It's really dull though. So it's, it's decently acted. There is not really like a lot of times on these movies, you are doing everything pretty cheaply and you're not paying really great actors. But I will say the actors are actually all good. Like every, there's not a bad performance in it. It's just not nearly as well done or interesting mm-hmm. or exciting as it could be based on the premise. So it's not really a recommend in any way, but you know. I'm warning you against it, I guess. I don't think yeah, anybody will get anything you just, out of it. You just told me to avoid it. I did. And I, I, I'm glad that, that, was, that, I, that my statement was interpreted correct the way I intended. <laughs> yes. Uh, over on, also on Amazon Prime, a movie I'd never seen that I know has long been kind of talked about and I think used to maybe be not hard to find, uh, The Last Broadcast. So this came out a few months after a little movie that you might have heard of called The Blair Witch Project. Do you know about that movie? So the last broadcast uh, was also a sort of documentary-ish, found footage-ish movie. Uh, did come out in theaters, apparently, and probably, I think it was like being filmed as Blair Witch was coming out, and it was probably one of those where they were like, great, but shit, because everybody's going to think we ripped them off, but maybe now this proves that there's a market for this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, the problem is it's not nearly as good as the Blair Witch. Uh, it's, it is a, so there's a mysterious, um, a bunch of guys are filming like a ghost hunter show, and two of them end up dead, and everybody suspects the third guy and the movie is kind of framed as a another guy making a documentary about this and trying to prove this guy's innocence. And so it's, you know, it is different found footage. There's a whole a character. One of the characters is just a, like, VHS editor who's just putting things together and trying to help them solve it. Um, it's not bad. Like, there's, you could see it being very raw. Apparently, this might have been the first completely digitally filmed movie to come out in theaters. Mm -hmm. So it has a little bit of a, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, pedigree for that. It, it's creepy. It's like the first, the first like hour or so is, is kind of building towards something and it does it pretty well. It doesn't, to me, it was disappointing. I didn't like where it went. I didn't think it was earned or really made any sense to what I was watching. Um, But I think it's an interesting as a sort of like relic and you wonder if i don't know if this had come out first would blair witch have been received the same way i don't know um so i i didn't love it i i was glad i watched it Mm -hmm. it's 90 minutes it's not long so it's kind of worth watching just to see if you agree with me (laughs) it sounds so familiar but like looking at the the images and stuff on imdb I'm almost positive. I've never seen this. It, I used to always it, get it confused. So familiar. There's so this is the Jersey Devil one, kind of. <laughs> I always get this one confused with the Poughkeepsie tapes and June 9th. Yeah. All three of those movies to me, because I think all three of them are, are found footage and all three were not 
like easy to find for a while I think <laughs> and this like I just I, I hear this title come up occasionally and I always like thought I saw it but then realized oh no I was thinking of the Poughkeepsie tapes um but it's now it's on Amazon Prime it's it's worth watching you might actually enjoy it I think mm -hmm. maybe I don't know you might not be as kind of let down as I was uh it's it's worth watching to form an opinion on. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about it really, so mm -hmm. maybe it's worth it just for yeah. that reason. Because then it might click. Like you might realize, oh, I did. I've read stuff about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, over on Shutter, I watched. Um, so I think Shutter has some ha, might have had an error with their um, like listings for movies. Because <laughs> you know how usually it will give you like the um, the length of the movie. And I'm yes. sitting here, like, doing stuff. So I'm like, oh, let me put a movie on that I, I might not pay that much attention to. And I see this movie that's, like, two hours and 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, let me put that on because I can do other stuff and keep watching it in chunks. And it was called The Headhunter. Okay. And then I'm watching it while I'm doing stuff. And I pause it to, like, start cooking, thinking I'm going to exit out. And I realize I only have seven minutes left. I'm like, wait, <gasps> what? 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 How'd that happen? So there was an error that, like, kind of affected the way I watched the movie in a way. Because it threw everything off to me. Mm -hmm. um, this is set in, uh, pre-medieval Norway or something like that. Okay. Sort of like Viking-esque times. And it is about a man who is headhunting because his family has been killed by some monster. So he is trying to find the monster and just keeps chopping off heads until he gets there. Uh, very quiet movie. I think, I guess they probably, f I think the lead actor, I think, is not English or not English speaking, but has like only a few lines in the movie. And that's most of the dialogue. And that might have been deliberate in a couple of different ways. The weird thing was, this is directed by the team that made Thanksgiving. Oh, weird. Okay. And if you've seen Thanksgiving, have you seen Thanksgiving? A while ago. Yeah. It's dumb, but it's really fun. Like, I like Thanksgiving. I haven't seen the yeah. sequels. But I find it, because it, it knows exactly what it is. It's like a trauma movie, but not a... Um, it's like a trauma movie in the beginning of trauma, where it knows that it's making something really stupid, it's embracing that, but it's also like finding the heart in the, in it. So I really like mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. This is you would never think. Oh, the guys that made Thanksgiving made this movie because it is tonally completely different. Um, it's okay. I couldn't get into it, but part of it was I didn't know what was. I was so thrown off by the misadvertised running time that everything really got messed up for me. So I don't know if I can add if I'm adequately prepared to be somebody you should listen to when I recommend or don't recommend it. That's so weird. I know. That's that's really strange because like the your your internal pacing of something. Totally. Whether it, it's good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. like if it impacts the way that you watch something. It's like if you're reading a novel and the novel it feels like it's four hundred pages and you're expecting that, and then you get to the end and realize, oh, there's eighty pages that's a you know, a this preview of the has author's next work. To me. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Like, I wish I just didn't ever know the time on something, because that is, then otherwise you get so locked into, oh, I only have three minutes, five minutes left, so wrap it up. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a problem. Uh, okay, just a few more on Netflix. I watched the Oscar Academy Award winning documentary, because I'm fancy like that, uh, American Factory. Mm -hmm. This is the documentary produced by the Obamas. Mm -hmm. uh, it is interesting and and um, 
So this is about in Detroit, the G General Motors factory, um, which employed a good chunk of people in town, closed uh, back in 2007. And a few years later, a Chinese glass manufacturer decided to reopen that factory to produce glass for, for cars and for other components. Um, but it was going to be a Chinese company in the United States. So the CEO is Chinese. He brings over some Chinese employees to be management, but it's the whole goal was like, no, but we're employing people that used to work at the GM factory. So you have like a Chinese supervisor and an American supervisor and an American uh, kind of like on the factory line. And it's, you know, the first half of it's just, is it's really interesting. And it's very much about the differences in work cultures and business mm-hmm. culture and all that. And then how uh, it gets a little kind of depressing because you realize that a lot of things can't work um, and that you are taking two such different work cultures and trying to marry them. And so you have Chinese employees who are used to working six days a week, 12 hour days. And, you know, the idea of a union is just insane to American workers who were making double what they are making now and are used to the American workday of eight hours mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that. And how it it's it gets very depressing because it's it really does. You start to see it's, it's not working. They're going to have to keep change. They can't really you, you can't marry both. You can do one. You could do the other. Um, and it's also very much if you're looking at it globally, you just see how different world production is. And this obviously is in the news lately, just with um, with COVID-19 and all these other things that make us look at other countries closer. And you just see how, you know, oh, quote unquote, make America great again. You know, businesses aren't doing what they used to. Yes, you're right. Because look at how other countries are, are doing business. We can't compete with that. Mm-hmm. And part of that is correct because we can't afford to treat employees the way they do in some ways in these other countries. But yes, that means we're going to suffer. And how do you work around that? And the worst part, and this isn't spoiling so much, but you get to a point in the movie where you realize, oh, even even if you start saying, okay, well, we'll just have to work the way the standard Chinese workday, oh, but automation is going to take care of half of that soon. So half of these employees are going to be out of a job. And and what do you say to that? Because it is the way to do business. And mm-hmm. so it's a very, I don't know, it's like not a fulfilling movie. You leave it feeling kind of like, huh, this world's kind of complicated, huh? Yeah. I don't know what the future holds, huh? Um, but it's well done. It's a it's a good documentary. It's not um, editorializing. The, the filmmakers are not in the movie. It really is just letting letting the union people speak, letting the um, CEOs speak. It has a really good score as well. Really, yeah. that's always nice. The music. It's they made a decision about that music, and it's I've read it compa- as being compared to like a Philip Glass score, and I completely agree. Like it, it's instrumental. It is haunting. Um, it's very effective. So it's 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 a recommend. It's just one of those like, huh, okay, yeah, kind of knew that stuff. Just harder to see it all in action type thing. Yeah. So not not a breezy watch. Not a breezy watch. No, no. Um, but there is afterwards. Like if you have Netflix running on its own, then it automatically brings up a uh, 
uh, which we call a little quick interview with Michelle and Barack Obama about the movie with That's the filmmakers. Fun. That's cute. Okay, two more, both on Amazon Prime. One I know you watched a few weeks ago, I think, and that was Late Night. Oh, yes, I do remember watching this. I enjoyed it. It's uh, fine. It's fine. It's I laughed. Um, I love Mindy Kaling. I love Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson is incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some very funny bits. There's some very, um, I think, wise and observant bits. Uh, I think there's some clumsiness with some of the plotting. I feel like some decisions are made to make easy movie decisions and they are unnecessary. Um, I learned something about myself, Christine, watching this movie. What? I learned that I, much like Mila Jovovich in that movie, A Face in the Crowd, I think I have face blindness when it comes to facial hair. Interesting. If I am used to seeing you with facial hair and you remove your facial hair, I might not recognize you. Mm-hmm. Watch this entire movie thinking, who's that guy? He looks really familiar. He, What have I seen him in? Uh, I, remind me to look it up. I'll look it up after. And then I pull up the movie on IMDb and I see the cast go by and I'm like, Hugh Dancy was in that movie? Who was Hugh Dancy in that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was the guy that I didn't recognize because he didn't have the Hannibal beard. I did not recognize Hugh Dancy without a beard. And Hugh Dancy... So, I watched half of Ella Enchanted, which Hugh Dancy is in. It's not on my list because I didn't finish it. And we were watching it, and I was like, I wish I was watching Hannibal. So we started watching Hannibal and said, Hugh Dancy, as, as Will Graham, is... The best Hugh Dancy. I, look, I don't know the man, so I'm only assuming. <laughs> but just outside looking in, sure. he is the superior version of Hugh Dancy. Every other Hugh Dancy pales in comparison. So I, he ba- he barely registers when he's not being Will Yeah, and when he doesn't have facial hair. I, I you just blood goatee or go home, you know? Face in the crowd. <laughs> um, funny you say Hugh Dancy is the best or Will Graham is the best Hugh Dancy because I have a controversial statement. I, what? Because I, I agree that Will Graham is the best Hugh Dancy, but I don't think Hugh Dancy is the best Will Graham. Do you think What's-His-Face in that one movie is the best? I think William Peterson is the best Will Graham. I'm so sorry that I don't know anybody's name. <laughs> hey, but at least you don't need a blood goatee to figure them out. Uh, um, Why do you... What, why? Do you not like the way that... that... Hugh plays well because it's very different. It's very different, and that's okay. And I love Hannibal, and I can't wait to re-watch, to rewatch Hannibal. I've only watched the series once. I'm itching to rewatch it. It's like when we finish our Buffy Angel, my rewatch, Brandon's first watch. Like it's going to probably be what I'm going to push next. But and I think Hugh Dancy is great, and I think his will is is an interesting will, and and all and works for the show. But having read Red Dragon. I think what William Peterson does in Manhunter is when I watch William Peterson play Will Graham, I see that it would take so little for Will Graham to be worse than Hannibal Lecter. That Will Graham is a dangerous man who is hanging on by a thread, who has the ability, who is so the all the things he experiences and and all the intelligence he has and all that empathy if it was turned the wrong way 
if one bad thing happened that unhinged that like broke that tether he would be the most dangerous man in the world and i get that from will peterson um william peterson um the scene in manhunter where he's like re- reenacting um the first murder with the mirror and he's he's sitting there and he's in the head of the killer and he's you know talking to him and, and yelling at him and yelling at himself that is scary to me that is dangerous i understand everything he's going through Whereas when Hugh Dancy does it, I think it comes more from a, it's more emotional, it's more, there is a damage there, but I'm less scared of him. And that's also physical too. I think Hugh Dancy is a much smaller man than William Peterson, but I don't know. You are not wrong at all. Obviously you wouldn't be wrong even if I did think you were wrong. But what (laughs) I mean is I agree with you. Mm -hmm. That is to say, so I too have read Red Dragon. Um, I, too, agree that Manhunter is the superior version of uh, of these stories. Um, that being said, what Brian Fuller managed to create with Hannibal, it's like it's like fan fiction of that universe, yes. you know, by making Alan Alana and oh, yeah, Freddie a lady mm-hmm. and and and, you know, Jack's black and like everything's weird and different and there's this this undercurrent of like dangerous sexuality throughout it yeah. and and like I just I just like that will because that that will manages he, Fuller manages to do something really spectacular which is he makes him he gives he gives us and by us I mean me um, exactly what I want I he gives me this perfect warm sad little tiny puppy that needs me and needs yeah. me to take care of him and then also this terrifying dangerous man who is obscenely hot when he's <laughs> so like i get i get both yeah which is which is very very difficult and very weird and very to, sexy to, too to craft a character that is successfully yeah. two individual things so it almost feels like the goal of Hannibal Hannibal's Will Graham is completely different than the goal of Manhunter's Will Graham. Yeah, and I think too part of that is Hannibal's Will Graham um almost isn't Will Graham without Hannibal. Like the two of and it's not that like oh Will Graham needs Hannibal. It's not that. It's that that character comes into focus when you see him both with and in comparison to Hannibal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas Mindhunter is a, is a Mindhunter? I just said Matt Mindhunter. I did not mean Matt. Manhunter. Um, I could, why would you ever make that mistake? I honestly don't know because I did not care for <laughs> Mindhunter. Uh, whereas Manhunter, it's a di- it's a it's just a different thing and it's a different emotion. It's going yep. for something different. It's a different theme. It's a different character. Um, so yes, I and I'm not... I, I don't mean to say one is better. I, I think Peterson's Will Graham is more the Will Graham of, of Red Dragon oh, and is a scarier oh, Will sure. Graham. But Hannibal's Will Graham is a, is a fascinating thing unto its own. Yeah, Manhunter is great. Have we, we haven't covered that. We have not. No, I, it's funny. I used it's to so really... Good. It is. And the first time I saw it, I did not care for it. Um, the, for a very long time, I really thought I just hated Michael Mann as a director. That I was just one of those, I don't get his stuff. I know his stuff works for other people. It doesn't work for me. And then I rewatched Manhunter... A couple of years, actually, I remember. I have a very specific timestamp of when I rewatched Manhunter because I read Red Dragon during jury duty, 
and mm-hmm. I had jury duty the same day that gay marriage was legalized. Mm-hmm. So June of 2015 was when all of this stuff happened. So I know that's when I watched Manhunter. And when I watched it then, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Oh, I get this. It's, and yeah, so it has since changed a lot for me. One of these days we'll cover it. Yeah, we should. I, I rely, the last, most recent time I watched it, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and then the last watch I had um, this would be my streaming recommend, but it would be, I feel like it would be a little cheap for me to just steal the one you had last. <gasps> holy shit was fighting with my family good. Oh my God. It was so good. It was right? So good. It was so good. Um, so we finished watching it. And the next day, Brandon's like, by the way, I bought fighting with my family on DVD. I'm like, but you know, it was streaming. He's like, yeah, but I want to own it. Cause we both just loved it so much. It was, it was, it was an absolute delight. It really was. Yeah. Um, just so good. Everybody in it, so good. Um, so good? Yeah. Just nothing bad to say about it. It. I think everybody was so good. At, I mean, Florence Pugh for president of my heart and everything else. Um, she's so great. But yep. I, I love that it was empowering and it was, you know, sweet and it was also heavy. But it, it could have gone meaner. It could have gone darker. And it doesn't. It makes a lot of decisions that are just... It avoids, I feel like that same storyline could have very easily had token mean girl characters and token this and and a romance. And it doesn't have any of those things because it doesn't need any of those things. And it was near perfect. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I I'm glad you liked it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Enjoyed it quite a bit. All right. So with that being said, why don't we take a break and come back and talk about another movie about an athletic young woman uh, in a sport that doesn't cater to her gender? Yes. Love and Basketball is the name of that. Indeed. We'll be back. Yo, Jeff, won't you give me a hoop or beat or something, something that I can go to the park to? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that. Yeah, sound dope. into the second quarter where you and I dribble and pass back to each other the ball of baskets in love and basketball. Wow. If I didn't know any better, I think that you were a professional basketball player. (laughs) You know, I got a contract offer from the WNBA, but um, that was before they did the physical and realized I am two feet too short. So then it (laughs) didn't work. Um, I know I so I am not you might this might shock you I'm not a big basketball fan I had no idea yeah just not a sport I've watched much of not a sport I've ever really played um, but I like a good sports movie mm-hmm. and Me too. and this was one that I'd heard, long heard good things about um, really enjoyed the director's more recent film um, Beyond the Lights 
and figured, hey, what this seems like one we should do. So I had never seen it. I'm guessing you had never seen it before. I had never seen it. Were you familiar with it all? Like, do you remember I, when it came out or anything like that? I don't. I don't think I remember when it came out, but I knew that it existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Excuse one that me. I have often heard referenced and cited, and almost always um, in like when you read an interview with an actor, it's like, oh, what's your favorite? What was your favorite movie? What was this? And it's oh, Love and Basketball. And I've seen that come up so much, and especially with. Uh, black actors and Mm -hmm. you understand why because this is very much a good movie that is the type of movie that doesn't exist often with black people in it correct um so as always we are going to go deep into the film this is not by any means like a you know twisty prestige like movie filled with plot turns but we will be spoiling things so if you have not seen it we encourage you to watch it um Mm -hmm. i rented it it off of amazon is that what you did i did as well okay so it's three or four bucks to do that um and i'd recommend it me too are, are we, I didn't know if we were saying that now. Me too. Well, I was just going to say that because then what we'll do is go into oh yeah, the part that you love or the part that I love to make you do. Okay. I recommend it. So don't get spoiled if you don't want to get spoiled. Now. So <clears throat> this movie is about a girl and a boy that live next door to each other and they grow up together And they're always both playing basketball. (laughs) That's terrible. That was a terrible synopsis. What's wrong? I'm gonna let you keep going. I think you got more in you. Um, basically, it's like the the evolution of this couple's relationship from childhood well into an adulthood, all set against basketball. Yep, I like. I mean, it's it's very simple. And what I will say before we really get into it is while there are trials and tribulations in this movie, for the most part, this is a what I would call a feel-good movie. I yeah. I kept expecting something cartoonishly terrible to happen to somebody. Yes. And it never happened. No. And I think there's a, there's a reason for that, which is if you watched movies in the 90s that were primarily starring black people that did always happen. There was always a shooting or some act of violence that was always pretty tragic. I thought somebody was going to get raped at one mm-hmm. point. Yep. I thought somebody was going to walk in on somebody having uh, uh, decided to end their life. Yeah. I, I was like, yep. but then like, then it, that person was just crying and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank God. And then I was sad Thank too. God. There is one moment that I did gasp, and that is the other thing you look for in any sports movie, which is when a character gets injured. Yeah. <laughs> and there is, and it's when um, Quincy, I guess, uh, tears his ACL, I think, and it's when he just falls. He's playing basketball, and that's the other time thing too. Is anytime I watch a sports movie, and there's a moment when characters are playing the sport, and it's like not the game. I'm like, oh God, you're gonna get hurt off 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 the the, the court. It's gonna be bad. And there is when he gets hurt, I did go, oh, that happened to me. Like that yeah. that did, that got me. I think in part because I had accepted by that point, because I was probably about halfway through the movie, that like, oh, nothing to hurt. Like these are normal human beings and I'm not watching any cheats. Like nothing grand is going to happen. 
so and by grand i mean like ridiculous big plot thing like it's really grounded in something so when this happens and it is completely believable because this happens to athletes all the time it did take the wind out of me because i had like calmed myself by that point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yes it's this is a very good movie um is not to say not a lot happens in it is it's two hours Mm-hmm. And things are constantly happening in it. But to say not not a lot happens in it, what I mean is there are no... It is literally like you watch these people's lives unfold. Yeah. And, like, bad things happen, but then good things happen. And then nothing happens for a long time, and then something else happens. And the fun thing about this movie is everybody, every actor is somebody. Every yeah. person you see, you will go like, oh, Wait my God. Yeah. You get a baby Regina Hall. Yep. As so, Monica, we should say, is played by Santa Latham, mm-hmm. um, who went on to be an Alien vs. Predator and many other things. Um, you have Quincy is played by Omar Epps, who at the time was already yep. pretty much a star. Uh, yep. His father is Dennis Haysbert. His Woo! mother is Debbie Morgan, I think. Yep. Uh, and then. Her family, her dad's Harry Lennox from Titus, from Titus Andronicus. I've her, never seen him that young. I didn't, never in the movie did I think he was anybody. And then I'm looking at the cast, I'm like, who's Harry Lennox? Oh, yeah. Didn't didn't recognize him at all. Um, you have Regina Hall as her sister, who in like, and in a really great role too. Because oh, so, I loved her sister. Oh my God. So often in movies about, movies typically don't know how to do sisters because they think sisters always are fighting over a boy or hate each other or or just always have a very like a relationship written by a man and in this case like they're very different like regina hall's character is clearly on a different path but they love each other and they support each other and they get along and it's they have like two or three like really just sweet genuine scenes together and Mm -hmm. it's great um and then you have her mother played by one of my favorite actresses ever Elfrey Woodard. She's she's very good in this. She's ugh. it's every every time I see Elfrey Woodard in something, and she always gets like that one scene where she gets to like ugh, you know go for it, um, yep. and she gets that in this movie. And in like the very beginning, she has a scene that suggests it. And her mother, you know, their their families are very different. And Monica's parents, um, you know, her dad, I think, is works as, as like a banker, I guess. Yep. And her mom is a homemaker and seems like very kind of, uh, what, what would you say? Like, she is one of those homemakers who, where homemaking is an absolute full-time job. Like, that is, is her job. Where, that, yes. Yeah, she is yes. working hard. She's doing every... If her husband asks her for anything, she drops everything and does it for him. Um, and you see that, and you see the way Monica sees that. And we're seeing it through her eyes, and it, it is... It's just one of those, like, you see it and you understand immediately why Monica is so the opposite of that. Because Monica's watching this and saying, well, that's not going to be me. And at the end of the movie, we get this amazing scene between the two of them where they confront that, where um, Alfred Woodard's character kind of says to Monica, well, you never had any, I know you don't respect me. And it is this heartbreaking scene because it it's not that. And they, they get to say it and they get to have a conversation where they do under, you can see them understanding each other as they say it mm-hmm. of like, Yes, I. You're right. I didn't. 
I didn't respect you because I saw you not treat it, not taking care of yourself. And that was never going to be me. And it's, it's such a good scene. And Alfred Woodard's so good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the many times in this movie where like, Every, like it, there's no villains in this movie, no. so like it's it's yeah. one of the many scenes where you're like, well, they both have some good points, very good points, yeah. <laughs> and like you can like, oh, I I get it, I can see, I can see because there's nobody that's cartoonishly mustache twirling, nope. nope. evil. So it's not like she's like, you're a terrible mother and you were never there for me. But like the the you know the mother character says some kind of harsh things or maybe expresses herself in not the most constructive way so you're like i can totally tell why she was resentful but then she says like you were combative and you were mm-hmm. standoffish and you're like well she she kind of was standoffish. <laughs> you're like yeah i've seen that yeah. and they had no common ground and it really is this is a very silly but like pseudo profound thing to say it's one of those movies where you go like huh we're all just people yeah just because you're the parent doesn't necessarily mean you're any better equipped than anybody else to take care of the situation that's and, a really and that, good point and that's nice because everybody was extremely human and extremely fallible but because yeah. they, they weren't painted with this cartoonish brush you never you were never forced to take a side and you were never forced no. to like blame anybody for anything well and even in the central relationship where you have yes. a couple and at one point they break up and it's not you know on one hand the movie is probably a little more monica's movie than it is quincy's but this their where their relationship goes you you completely understand both of them throughout that right you understand why so quincy basically gets a big blow to himself which is that he finds out his father who was a famous basketball player has cheated on his mother and a lot of what he you know believed about his father is kind of proven to be a lie and his father lied to him looking him in the eyes and it's clearly the hardest thing Quincy has ever gone through and they you know it's it's nighttime and they're sitting outside (laughs) talking about it and he is not in a good place and Monica looks at the clock and says I have to go back home I I have a curfew I'm gonna get kicked Mm -hmm. off the team if I don't get home and it's so clear one of those like she's right he's also at, at a place where you know today looking at that and if I had a work thing and my husband was at that level of despair I would be able to say you need me right now Yep. but she's 19 on scholarship for basketball she can't do that or maybe she can but she chooses not to and it's the right decision for her for him it's he is right to interpret it as you're putting basketball before me which is true at that moment and again, like, neither of them are wrong. So then he ends up breaking up with her. And as much as there's a little bit of kind of cruelty to it, it's also absolutely the right decision for both of them at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you do in movies a lot <laughs> to have no, things that even. Yeah, it, it's it's really true because <clears throat> there were, especially during that point, like, I, I was like, Quincy, you're being ridiculous. You're asking too much of this situation and you're not being honest about what you're really upset about. But also, he's like 19, of course. Yeah. And there was, especially, I think it was like 
it was either the late high school or the I think it was the late high school scenes where their performances were very good. And they didn't necessarily look like high school students, right. but the dialogue was very on point. Yeah. Like it felt awkward and teenaged, yes. especially when you have the, all the dialogue that surrounds it, which isn't like that. So you, it was 100% a choice and it was really well done because you have to, I mean, they have little kids playing them at the beginning, but you have to follow these people mm-hmm. through a lot of years. And it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to believe like, this is them in high school. Now this is them in co- like you, you, it didn't take you out and i no. and i worried that it might once i realized what the movie was doing i was like oh is this going to be one of those things where i'm not going to be able to buy what yeah. they're selling well i think especially with um santa latham where you have her in high school where she is as much as she is a great basketball player and aggressive on the court and you know not a wallflower she is also in her social life, a wallflower who doesn't know how to talk to boys, (laughs) who doesn't know how to wear a dress. And that the way she plays that insecurity, I think is such a a tricky place because obviously Santa Latham is gorgeous. And it is the scene of like, you know, she's getting kind of a makeover and, you know, there's her mom looking at her with love and, you know, she's still clearly terrified. And I think that, that could that could go wrong when you have a gorgeous actress playing that part and not yep. knowing how to tap into that insecurity, but she really does. She nails it. And you believe it's and it, what it is too. And I think Santa Latham was, is a theater actress as well. And I think that's such a key part of it is that when you're doing theater, you quite often are playing, um, you're a grown up playing a child or playing a teenager. It's, you know, especially when you're in college and you're doing, a lot of roles that are written for somebody older than you, somebody younger than you. And I wouldn't be surprised if that is a key part of why she's able to do this so well. Yeah. Because it is, it's a clearly, the more I think about it, there is a physical choice in how she holds her body when she is in high school versus how she holds it in college. And that makes sense because when you are 17 and have never kissed a boy, you do move your shoulders differently than when you're 19 and dating the star of the USC basketball team. Mm-hmm. It, it it's she really sells it. Yeah. I think he does too. He does. Yeah. Um this movie makes me sad in a lot of ways because there's a lot of tremendous talent in it that I feel like has never well, while some of them have sprawling filmographies, I don't feel like anybody is the huge superstar yeah. that they should be. And that bums me out. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, um, weirdly, of everybody in that cast, Regina Hall probably is the most yeah. recognizable today. Yeah. Um, you And Elf, thinking about that, too, like, Elfrey Woodard, every time I see her in something, I really am just, like, just, I can't breathe half the time when she is doing scenes. Because she is so good. And why... I know I didn't see... I think Clemency was the movie that she was in this year that people were trying to say they should get her an Oscar. Mm -hmm. How has she she not been nominated for an Oscar? How is she not, you know? I don't know. It's it's weird because she's tremendous in this. And this should be something where you're like, oh, this amazing talent. It's only up from here. And I bet if you look at at her IMDb, she has a ton of credits but like yeah mostly supporting and exactly exactly and even the dude that that 
um, when they go to the high school dance, the college boy that's um, Who was he? That's he looked Bonnie very his, familiar. He well, he's in the Resident Evil movies. Oh, <laughs> yep. And he's in Last Man on Earth for a while. That um, uh, that what did, I can't think of anybody's name that's in it. That show that was on Fox that got canceled. Well, okay, uh, Will, Forte, Will Forte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he he's great too and i was like oh yep. my god look at him boy he's been acting forever why isn't he more why isn't famous? He a star? yeah yeah it is um you have a young gabrielle union in here as oh, well i know uh, yeah. i don't know how we could almost forget that i, I gasped when i saw her i was yep. like oh, it's union. yeah same it and then of course oh my god how, how could we not we'd be remiss if we forgot Maybe the one person who doesn't give a great performance in this movie, and for uh, a, for a movie, you know why she's there, though, right? Well, yeah. So let's let, let's let's say this for a movie that also I believe most of the time when there are when there are basketball players, and I don't just mean on the court, like the actress, especially the women who are playing her teammates. Mm-hmm. I think they were all like USC basketball players. I I don't know if that was for all of them, but I think most of even the speaking parts, they were college students who are basketball players not actors who learned how to play basketball mm-hmm. and they're great like there's never really a false note amongst them but then we do get tyra banks yeah yeah and, who yeah. who's in it i mean mm-hmm. she's fine it's fun to see once i saw tyra i was like i could just sit here and make a list of all my favorite genre movies that everyone in this cast is in because right. boy there's, <laughs> there's, I, I i walked away from this going like, trick or well, treat motherfucker trick and or i want to watch this and <laughs> it's just so fun to see so like this is a really good i guess what i guess what we're saying is this is a really good ensemble cast it is and it's it's one of those like when you look at it there's and again like there is something really sad about it because you're like, God, what a great collection of people in this one movie. Mm-hmm. Why aren't there? And it's not that there aren't because there are. I mean, this when I was reading a little bit about it, like they were saying how this kind of came out right as there were a few more very prom- predominantly black cast movies that weren't. Mm-hmm because they weren't 90s gang movies if you will because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that really was like if you were going to have a black cast in a movie in the 90s it was Boys in the Hood or it was Juice or it was these movies and apparently when um, the writer director she had the script for a while and like nobody wanted to make it because they were like well there's no market for a coming of age love story about a woman playing basketball like who would watch that and by the time this movie came out you had like the wood you had waiting to exhale you had mm-hmm. a little more um, I guess what's the word? Mainstream, different genre films with that were more targeted towards black audiences and, and starring black cast. So this was coming out around that time. But I think I don't know this this one. There's a lot of those movies I haven't seen because I guess I've always felt like oh I'm not the audience for that, which is really shitty of me. Although I'm, I'm saying that about movies that like the white version I wouldn't watch either, if you will. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but but this is, I, I think it's great that this movie exists because I think it probably, and again, like I've heard black people talk about this movie. I wish I heard more white people talk about it just because I think this is so good and I wish the way I had a league of their own, like this should have been every girl that liked basketball and every boy that liked basketball, this should have been their league of their own. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's, it is, it is really, 
it's sweet in a lot of ways yeah. and like hopeful and and realistic like you can have like a spoiler happy ending and have the road to get there not be easy yeah. like it doesn't have I, I feel like there's this weird disconnect where like you get one of two things you either get this saccharine movie that's sweet from start to finish or you get this movie where you it's almost like you're punishing your characters yeah. Well, and, and this I, idea that love stories typically end when characters get married, let's say, or when mm-hmm. characters get together, right? It's most love stories that we see are about the the courtship and about the really about like finding one another, not about yeah. being with one another. Mm-hmm. And what this one does is it is about being with one another and how at a certain point it doesn't work because you're growing into different people and it maybe it will never work again in the case of this film they do come back to each other they're very different people when they do but the that spark that connection is still there in a different way Mm -hmm. because they've both and that's something i think i really love about it they've both grown and they both know that they've grown yeah Um, it's i I do like there's an honesty and awareness to to the characters in this movie and to the writing like and, I, and yeah, I think that that's that goes back to the whole. Well, you can have a happy ending without everything being perfect the whole time. Yep. And and it's it's nice too to also have something a story presented to you that does have ups and downs, and that that somebody injuring themselves isn't the end of their career and thus the end yeah. of the movie. Like it's it, they're. I don't know, like, yeah, I think it would be helpful for maybe younger people to watch more things like this and go like, oh, things can look pretty grim, and then turn around. Or, hey, maybe I take a job that I don't really want, Mm -hmm. but I should keep trying, because then I might be in the WNBA. Maybe not that exact thing. But, like, (laughs) when when she started, when Monica started working at the bank, she's like, I'm done with basketball, it's not fun anymore, I'm gonna work at this bank. It, like, it broke my heart. Yeah. But then, like, she goes on to continue to play basketball. Yeah. Like, it's so, oh, my gosh, look at that. It didn't just, and she's a kid. So she's like, this is the, you don't get, women don't get this no, in no. movies. Women don't get to literally have it all. <laughs> a supportive partner, a child, yep. and a career that they enjoy. They don't get to have that. That's yeah. not how it goes. Well, and that's almost how, not how this, if this movie had been made three years earlier, it wouldn't have ended that way. <laughs> Because yeah. the WNBA started in 1997. And when this script was written, there was no WNBA. And I was reading, I don't know if you read that um, uh, oral history of No, of I bookmarked it, but I didn't get to yeah, read it. T- take a look at it. I, I can't remember if it was in that or in a different article that I read this, but um, Gina Prince by the wood was talking about, about the ending. And she said, she's like, honestly, I don't remember how it ended. She's like, because when she'd written it, it was when she was at school, when she was at film school, and at the time, there was no WNBA. So mm-hmm. that couldn't have been the ending. Like, the best a female basketball player, basketball player could do was either play internationally, where, it, where there are leagues, or get, and or get to the Olympics, which happens every four years, which is nice and gives you some money and gives you some excitement, but isn't really, isn't a living, basically. Mm-hmm. And she said she thought, as far as she could remember, it just ended with their the game the two of them play and like that probably was where it ended and it just didn't have that coda and then as she got closer to being able to make the movie it was like oh hey there's this thing called the WNBA how about that mm-hmm. and it's such I a, love it it is it's like it's such a beautiful thing that 
it this happened that it's still i mean wnba as far as i know does well it's still around 23 years later um and that she was able to like oh wait a minute i can give monica a really happy ending because what i think there is something to me 10 years ago or me maybe 15 years ago if the movie had ended with her working in a bank, but with her saying to Quincy, hey, I love you, I'm going to play basketball for your heart, and I'm going to win it, and him saying, you, you didn't win it, but I'm giving it to you because you did win it, um, I think I would have been a little unsatisfied, because yeah. I would have felt like, well, she doesn't, so she's still working in it, like, he can still go play basketball, but she's working in a bank, and she, you know, she gets to sort of admit she's wrong in a way, which isn't... <laughs> which I think is actually a good thing in the movie because she, their, you know, their kind of conversation at the end isn't so much um, her apologizing for like, oh, I'm sorry, I followed my dreams. It's more like, I, I, you know, maybe I would have done it differently because now I understand how important you are. <laughs> and the me of my 20s may have felt that was anti-feminist. The me of my 30s sees that as, no, sometimes that is more important. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I think that I think that that a story like embracing that as like a plot point yeah. is is good because like we should be we should be able to acknowledge and and maybe apologize or not even just not even apologize but just like like make amends with the choices that we made and mm-hmm. be like is it like can we move forward because it's that it goes back to that thing of like well maybe maybe Quincy shouldn't have acted that way but we understand why yeah and maybe she shouldn't have reacted that way but we get why so like when two characters are like hey I maybe I shouldn't have reacted that way you're like oh this is this is something that I could I could accept in a like apology for this is something I could move past because in the scheme of things I get it and we were different people then but but that's not often how characters are handled yeah um we get like a static version of a character who made a mistake and they never, there's never the, the, the framework built of like, Oh, well that wasn't who they were yeah. or, Oh, they've, they've grown beyond that now. So you're like, it feels false when there's an apology and somebody's, you know, like, does, yeah, it doesn't have to make it. Yeah. And, so, hmm. well, and even I think there's something to the whole, you know, she spent her whole childhood thinking, basketball is the most important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. That's what I was born to do. I can do it better than almost anyone. This is what my life is. And in 19, you know, when when the movie is set and when she is playing basketball, she gets to the top of what she of what she or anybody of her sex can do and she doesn't like it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's playing basketball she's really good at it. We see when she is in Spain, she is the best thing on the team. And yet it's unsatisfying. It's Mm -hmm. not unsatisfying to everybody. We see her with her friend, her old rival, who's like, this is great. Like, are you kidding? This is the life. There's nothing, you know, we, we are celebrities. We, you know, we're hot. We're, we get to play basketball. And these things are true for Monica, but Monica basically says, but I'm empty. This isn't satisfying me anymore. And that can happen to anybody in anything you love doing and that you're good at doing and that you've worked really hard at doing, you might reach the point where it's it's not the thing that satisfies you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Especially when, at the time, there was no WNBA, so there was nowhere else to go. And then instead we do get, you know, an even better happy ending because now there is. So now she can go back to doing that thing she loved and there is an added part to it. 
Yeah, it's it's nice to see like this because you have like an array of female characters in it, you get you don't have a one size fits all kind of yeah. message, which is which is nice because so often you do. Mm-hmm. Very true. And and that's not and again, there's I think because we get such a we get such a essentially a small story. I know it's not, but like a small story over the course of two hours that we can they can lay the groundwork for these nuances and it can be more of like a, a character study instead of like a race to the next big plot point. Yeah. There are a lot of really smart, small touches in this movie that I think add up that are very, and I wish I could think of good examples of it, but just the quick establishment of, you know, where their bedrooms are and where the windows overlook and just mm-hmm. that always being a constant that we always know they they have that connection that it's it's right there that little things like that that this movie does callbacks to constantly the way they frame monica's like aggression on the court right that we see her as a kid and she plays hard mm-hmm. we see her as a teenager and she plays hard in a way that isn't acceptable to um you know to girls basketball and then we see her transition to college where that's expected and Without the movie saying it, we know she has been drilled in, that was drilled out of her, right? She wasn't getting court time because she was too aggressive. Mm-hmm. And now she moves on to the next stage where suddenly everybody, where she looks like a pussycat and and she can't just turn that back on because clearly she beat it out of herself. And the movie doesn't have to say these things. Like it's it's there, it's clear, we get it without it ever really having to, to telegraph anything in words, which is smart. Mm-hmm. And smart filmmaking because it for sure yeah it's, it doesn't rely on on unnecessary dialogue it for a movie that I think was I don't know I I, I think she made this movie wanting teenage and, and especially teenage girls to see it um, it doesn't ever feel like it is talking down to anybody or that it mm-hmm. is like a young person's like anybody can watch this movie. Um, and and that's important. Like, and it trusts its audience that if you're 13, you you can watch this movie and you are going to understand why she's having a hard time in college basketball. Yeah, it, I think there's a, a a smart simplicity to it, and and it, that doesn't undercut the character development. I don't know. It's it's really well done. It it, it makes me uh, long for more. Uh, female told stories yeah. because on paper this shouldn't be or or might not be so compelling or so interesting yeah. or so like I don't know resonant but like mm-hmm. it is because of how it's made yeah it it absolutely is it's one of those and it and it's why um you should watch beyond the lights at some point mm-hmm. um, let me see if it's streaming anywhere because that to me is the same I would have the same exact I think you're probably I probably described wanting to watch this movie with that exact language because Beyond the Lights is about a pop star who is depressed and um, maybe suicidal and she meets a, she is saved one night by a police officer who kind of talks her off the ledge, literally, and they start a romance, but she is in a weird place in her career. He has to make different decisions about his life and that's the movie. And it is so good and so compelling. And mm-hmm. you are riveted by these, by this love story. 
and it's again if you handed me that synopsis and said oh this this is made by uh and you gave me any other filmmaker i kind of be like yeah not for me but then you watch it you're like oh no this is really good mm-hmm. and it's it, it it's something that i think she has a really interesting ability at making movies that I don't think I'm going to get anything from. And I get so much from. Interesting. It's very, it's very exciting. I'm glad, I'm glad you picked this. Me too. Um, a few other things of interest. I really liked the scenes of her in college with her college basketball teammates. Yeah. Because they're, it's not this instant, oh, I finally have, like, people like me. Like, no, you have upperclassmen who see you as a threat because you're there to take her place. And I liked that it was mean and, and there were, uh, there was some kind of backstabbing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't catty. It was purely, yeah, because you're the freshman that's there to take my spot and I'm not going to let you. So I am going to fuck with you. And it felt right. <laughs> like, it didn't... Yeah. I thought it was entertaining, too. I liked all of these, like, really strong, badass women competing purely athletically. Again, and not and not mean. Like, no. it was it was not a comfortable situation in that... Specifically that one a woman whose position she played the same yeah. of. I don't know, sport ball. Point guard, uh, maybe? Yeah, sure. She it wasn't like it wasn't like um Monica went into the into the locker room and like all her clothes were cut up. Right. Like right. it wasn't like but it was not cartoonishly evil. It no, was, no, it no. Was Nobody was trying to seduce her boyfriend. Like no, it was just I'm watching you and I'm gonna do everything I can to make your position on this team difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the costume designer on this movie, I, I, the name caught my attention. This was also produced by Spike Lee. And Spike yes, Lee, I, I think, was a, was a big force in it. I think he must have known the director through film school and I think was very like active with helping her career, which is great. And you, you could see like the influence, I think, and you could see why Spike Lee would, would see this filmmaker and be like, you need to be making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the costume designer was Ruth Carter, who won an Oscar last year for Black Panther. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. yes. I believe she was the first black woman to win an Oscar for costume design. So that was cool. That Everybody looked really cool in this movie. They did, yeah. They're all, and, and I said it to you, everybody was so good looking. Yeah. There's so many moments where, like, really attractive men take their shirts off. Yeah. Like, yeah, not not complaining about that. Um... The this one um, didn't really, you know, wasn't the actually the marketing of this was interesting because they did have to fight for a PG thirteen. The love scene had to get constantly uh, gone back to and edited. Um, There's something I really like in the love scene, which is uh, there's very pointedly. Quincy reaches for a condom. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, you could say, well, you know, of course, because it's kind of aimed at teenagers, so they need to put that in there. On the other hand, it's like, no, 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 no. There's two parts to this. One, she better not be getting pregnant because yeah. she has a future. And not that you don't have a future if you do, but like it's very much tied into her independence. And the other mm-hmm. part is this constant, um, th- this constant theme that's always there of his mother always pointing out hey, remember, when you're a famous basketball player, there are women that are going to try to trick you into having a baby. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we find out oh, there's a lot more to that. Um, 
but the scene itself, which is it's her first time, it's very tender, it's very sweet, but it's also like not, you know, um, wind chimes and perfection yeah. and all that. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's her first time. Like, and um, I think the director was adamant about like, no, I need to show this a certain way because. I can't, if I cut it too much, if I overcut it too much, it's going to be a typical love scene, and it's, that's not what I want to do with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did win um, Best First Screenplay at the Independent Spirit Awards that year. Well, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the casting of this was interesting. So I think Omar Epps was probably, like, pre-cast like I think he was since he was something of a name like he was an easy casting mm-hmm. but for the role of Monica they had a lot of uh, it was a very long casting process and initially I think both the director and I think Spike Lee was also influential in this they really wanted a basketball player they wanted an actual athlete for the part and not necessarily a basketball player but an athlete they wanted somebody that mm-hmm. would look like an athlete on screen which is admirable um there's at least in IMDb I don't know how much was done with it but that they apparently did approach both Marion Jones and Serena Williams at the time oh interesting uh and they had it down ultimately because they were still like looking at actors they just I think the preference was let's find a basketball player that can act and they got to the point where they had it down to I think an actor who could maybe learn basketball and a basketball player who could learn how to act and from what I read, like, they put both actresses through a lot of kind of training on both ends. And so Santa Latham, like, had to learn as much basketball as she could. The basketball player um, was, you know, they gave her acting class. And then, like, I read one thing where Santa Latham was like, well, I found out they were giving her acting classes for the audition. So I said, if you're giving her acting classes, you're giving me basketball lessons. Um and then the, <laughs> I love that. Right? And then uh the so the director had a this was I think from the oral history where she said like she like got down to the wire and had to make a decision. I think it was her husband who had said to her, like, is this a basketball movie or a love story? And she had to really think about it and the quote was at the end of the day I realized it was a love story and you can fake a jump shot, but you can't fake a close up. And so that's oh. how Santa Latham ended up being cast. Um, That's very smart. Yeah, yeah. I would say this also, if you had to pair it with a movie, um, this would be such a good double bill with Girl Fight. Yeah. Right? 100%. Yeah, like, and both do so... They're not... I mean, they're telling similar stories in some ways, and both do so many of the same things right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did want to share one more quote from the director... Uh, that I found very powerful. This is a long one, so <clears throat> bear with me for a moment. Um, she says, People ask me all the time if I feel discriminated against as a black female director, and I actually don't. I get offered a ton of stuff, and if I wanted to get work all the time, I could. But I like to direct what I've written. I feel what's discriminated against are my choices, which is to focus on people of color, and more specifically, women of color. Those are the films that are not getting made, and those are the films that take a lot more fight. But I'm up for the fight because I'm not making because if I'm not making them, they're not going to get made, and then we become invisible again. <gasps> yeah, I love her. I know she's the best. Uh, she that makes me so sad. I know. Like that's a shit thing to say in 2000. But I don't know when she said that. Yeah. She could have said it yesterday. It's still probably, it's still probably the same thing. Yeah. 
<sighs> I know. Um, her other work, because uh, I think it's worth sharing. So again, I cannot speak highly enough about um, Beyond the Lights. I really think I think you would really really like it. The yeah. one thing you have to get past is that Nate Parker is uh, the guy in it. He's really good in it. Just watch it and don't read any more about him or think about some of the things he probably did. Um, okay. She also directed The Secret Life of Bees, which I did not see. I remember when every woman of a certain age in my life was reading that book, but I never read it. And mm-hmm. then she has been rumored to be directing... Uh, now I can't find it. Um, the Spider... There's a Spider-Man spinoff, which other people who know stuff about this are probably screaming at their phones of what it's supposed to be but basically she may eventually direct a marvel movie but i don't know if that's happening or not Mm -hmm. Um, i do i don't follow those things as closely as i used to yeah and this was one that i know i kept seeing like as oh she's like tapped to direct this but i don't see it on imdb so i don't know how real or close we are to it but um yeah go watch her stuff because it's really good yes yeah all right uh so that's that uh both of us i think highly recommend this movie yeah it was really good yeah and a good like all ages like i know you know our friends who have teenage daughters like god yes um if you have anybody especially if you have like a daughter in your life or a woman in your life who likes sports i think this is a great movie for that um it's a really good love story i think it's a good um couples movie to watch like it's it's just really good i agree okay. uh so then having given this is a recommendation and i mean girl fight is a recommendation if you want something else uh what other what's a streaming recommendation of yours my streaming recommendation i i teased it earlier you might already I know what it is if you watch this yet um so i finally watched cam <gasps> yes and that's on Netflix, if people don't know. Um, I was afraid that... I was afraid of a great many things. I was so excited for you to watch this, but also really afraid, because I felt like, oh no, if you come back at it and hate it, I'm going to be like, wait, what, then I probably should too. No, I hate that. No, but I didn't want to hate it. I wanted to like it, because it yeah. was like... It, it was like in my head, so much could go wrong, but if done well, it could be the best. Yes. So, like, I was just, I guess I was just, like, ugh, I don't want to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was, like, a good shot that I could be, like, disappointed. Sure. But we watched it. And um, so I didn't realize that this was Madeline Brewer. I know her from Handmaid's Tale, like, exclusively. I forgot so, in that. Exclusively from Handmaid's Tale. And then th- this movie is on for, like, four seconds and I was like she looks so fucking familiar (laughs) it makes that pause it so I can look her up and I'm like oh my god I couldn't believe it the whole time yeah and then so like a couple nights later when we see Braid I was like wait a second is that her again yes okay so now I officially remember her her in Hustlers too yeah it took me a second but Mm -hmm. I and I had to look at a picture but like she she is like transformative like I don't notice I don't recognize her is she American I think so okay because, like, I feel like she's one of those people, like, I wouldn't be surprised if she was actually, like, from Norway or some random yeah, thing. Because no, she's just, she is, a, she is a, a chameleon. She makes amazing choices. She does. So, there, so I, there are filmmakers who I will give a shot no matter what they make. Same I forgot thing. she was in Orange is the New Black. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with writers. I'll be like, okay, well, you wrote this. 
I'll give you another shot. Um, she is now a person that if she is in a movie, I will be like, Same. I will give this movie a shot because she is that good and that interesting. This movie is so good. Yeah. It is not what I expected. Mm-hmm. It took what I expected it was and then said, oh, actually, we're not about that. It is so uncomfortable yeah. in the weirdest way. It is amazing. I love it deeply. Yeah. It is so good. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucking good. It is so good. I loved it so much. I'm so glad you did. It's so weird. It's such a weird movie. I had no it's idea that it was about... very strange. About... Oh, my God. And, oh, the, the reading into things that you could do about that. Yeah. That movie was about, like, 20 other different things. But yes. also the thing that it was about. It was really good. I liked it a lot. I'm glad I watched it. I'm I'm glad you did. I'm glad you liked it because that again, like I would, t- I just take your, your opinion on a movie like that very seriously. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm glad people have seen it and like, um, have enjoyed it because I tweeted about it after and I got like a bunch of like, oh, I loved it so much. Yeah. Oh, so good. So it makes me happy that like people have seen it and gotten something out of it. Yep. Um, because it's it's it is it feels like. Because it wasn't, like, sexy and exploitative, it seemed like it maybe was a bit of a gamble. Mm-hmm. I get it. Because <laughs> you think about, like, oh, it's about, a, like, a like a cam girl being terrorized, and I expected, like, a stalker. Or sure. like and it, and it, like, it fucks with you. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I liked it so much. I liked it so yeah. much. Yeah. And I love the ending, too. Oh. Without spoiling anything, I feel like the ending is... Like, that's not the way they had to end it. By, like, that is not the way. Yeah. If you read that script, you would never expect that to be the ending they chose. And it is such an empowering ending. And I feel like the ending also, like, kind of gives a certain, um, what's the word? Like, very powerful um, positivity to the, to the movie and to choices made. Mm-hmm. It's. I, I'm very glad a woman who, who who knows what what yeah the industry wrote it yeah because it, it it definitely shows because yes. it's it's not about what somebody's idea of camming is and what somebody would view the threats of that to be yeah it it's a it's inside baseball in a in a weird way that yep. makes it be a more internal film than it could have been yeah. I can't say how much I I appreciate that it exists. I'm flabbergasted that somebody made it. <laughs> it's oh, so good. It really is. You know, you know what Madeline Brewer does, I think better than anybody. She plays earnest, I want to succeed or I want to please you really yeah. well. Yeah. Like there is something she does there that just is like reaching out of the screen at you. And like The Handmaid's Tale is like the best example of that, but it's true sure. in Hustlers also. It's true here like there is a drive to her characters that's really powerful. Uh, oh, so yeah. Good. All right. Um, I feel like my recommendation isn't actually as good a movie, <laughs> um, but one that I just found really interesting and I'd never seen it. And I always felt like I should have. This is on both uh, net, not Netflix. This is on Amazon prime and shutter. This is George Romero's Season of the Witch. Which I have never seen. Oh, you should. And we almost watched it like three times. Yeah. The cut that's on Amazon, I think it's the only cut that's available. It's 90 minutes, so it's pretty short. It is 
strange. Like it's not. I mean, like, like any George Romero movie, like it's it's not perfect. Um, you could see that there's clumsiness. You could see that there's some kind of some of the acting isn't great, some things like that. But it's a so interesting to me that he made this movie in between Night and Dawn. That this man decided, and granted, Night of the Living Dead wasn't probably wasn't considered that big of a success by the time he was making this movie because that was one of those drive-in movies that found its audience as the years went by. Um, but this is a, almost more like of a sort of Stepford Wives-ish tale, and it's a housewife whose husband is kind of an abusive asshole and whose mm-hmm. daughter is just about out of the house, and one and she's clearly bored and doesn't quite realize that until she finds out that there that a witch has moved into town and she's like hey maybe i want to be a witch or maybe i just want to have sex with younger men i don't know maybe Look, i, I like both. all of this and it's so 70s um the wallpaper in this movie is just like if you are sensitive to color <laughs> this might be a painful movie for you <laughs> um it is just very unusual um and again, like it's it is that George Romero quality where it is it like there's problems with it. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect film, but it's it was made by a really intelligent, thoughtful, interesting man, and it's it's worth a watch. It's odd. okay. Yeah, I think we'll probably we'll probably do it. Uh, we'll probably Good. finally watch it before the next time we talk. Excellent. All right. Do you now? I picked this movie. Do you have a pick for next time? Can I tell you that I had something in my head <gasps> and I completely forgot it? Um, I know. I'm animal, terrible. vegetable, or mineral? Maybe we can play twenty questions and I can get it. I, I really can't. Did it star Madeline Brewer? Ugh, I wish. I don't know of any. I maybe I need to look at her IMDb. I don't know of anything else she's in. Um, let me try to think of it or something like it. Okay. Well, I look forward to whatever adventure. Oh, no. I remember what it is. Ooh. I don't I don't think we're going to have a hard time finding it, but if we do, we can we can always pivot. Should I say it just I'm so excited. Have... You have to say it, whatever it might oh, be. Okay. Um Eve's Bayou, which I've never seen. I've always wanted to see Eve's Bayou. I have not seen it either. I I'm pretty sure it's rentable somewhere if it's out I, streaming. It, maybe the library if it's not. Let's see. It was Eve's on um Amazon Prime at one point, but I think now it's probably rentable. I'm looking it up. It is free for streaming on MaxGo, whatever that is, DirecTV, Amazon Cinemax, and then it is rentable on Amazon Prime and most of the other places. So, completely rentable. Okay, well, we can totally do that. I'm, I'm for it, all right? Yay! Cool. All right, on that note, folks, you all stay safe, stay calm, uh, watch movies, read books, be nice to each other, and yeah, uh, I think that covers all of it, right? I think that's everything. All right, good night, folks. Okay. Good night. Everybody, get up! It's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right.